Welcome to Fracking and Health, Ask an Expert. The Endocrine Disruption Exchange has been studying the health impacts from unconventional oil and gas development, also known as fracking, since 2004. In each episode, our Executive Director, Carol Kwiatkowski, asks an expert to answer a question on how fracking may affect your health. You can submit a question at TEDx.org. Welcome to episode 10, where we ask, can environmental health research help communities impacted by fracking? I'm talking today with Dr. Greg Howard, an environmental public health scientist who consults on chemicals regulation and teaches at several universities in the Boston area. He co-authored a guidebook titled, Is a Health Study the Answer for Your Community? It's a great tool to help communities impacted by fracking operations, and we're going to find out why. Welcome, Dr. Howard. Thanks, Carol. It's great to talk to you. So tell us, what is an environmental health study, and why would a community want one? Well, when we talk about health studies, we may actually mean one of several different kinds of studies. Um, it's probably the most common for communities to recognize that there's some environmental exposure in their midst, and they want to know what the effects might be on their health. Uh, and so that's probably the situation we're in with fracking, for example, either with uh, fracking, um, fracking fluids or uh, air pollution from fracking. Um, in other cases, there are a lot of communities right now who are discovering that their water systems are contaminated with uh, polyfluorinated chemicals, PFAS chemicals. And um, so they, of course, want to know what the impacts might be on their health. On the starting from the other direction, that's starting from exposure, but starting from the other direction, a community that sees an unusual number of health problems may want to start there, and they're usually trying to work backwards to identify a likely cause. Um, and sort of the third one is that it's natural for us to know to want to know whether there's a connection between some exposure and some outcome, especially a proven connection, so that we can take some action so that we can convince others that we need to take action. And so that would be a connection between the exposure or a toxin or a hazard that we're concerned about and the health in the population. Um, and it's worth recognizing that this particular type of study connecting the exposure to the outcome, I would call an epidemiologic study, and it's far more difficult and complex than simply describing the exposures or the health outcomes. Epi studies are very difficult and often take a very long time. So, of course, the value to the community is in describing an exposure, as in fracking situations, or an outcome as a health concern in the community, so that something can be done, so that these problems can be mitigated, and the community is looking for evidence that something can be done about it. Um, and as opposed to the way many scientists may be thinking about these things, communities are usually not focused on the scientific questions per se, but on getting the problem addressed, whether that's cleaning up a site or stopping a source of contamination or getting resources to deal with a health concern. If the goal is to get the attention of government decision makers, what do you think is the most relevant or useful data to collect? I think it's most important to know who your target audience is and what they care about. And this is something we talk about at some length in the health studies guide. 
who are you trying to convince that there is a problem and who has the power to mitigate it? You you might be trying to throw light, light on the problem in the community or to get the attention of public health workers or medical doctors or others with resources to address a health problem or to get government regulators to regulate the source of contamination or to get politicians to take action. Um, so knowing who your audience is is very important and they have specific needs that you will want to try to meet for evidence or for knowledge. Um, in particular, I would point out that government regulators are often held to enforcing very specific laws and standards. So sometimes you could help them best by framing problems in terms of things that they already know about or that they already have standards for. And that may just require a frank conversation with them about what their department's priorities are and what kinds of things they are able to address. So for example, in unconventional oil and gas extraction, there are so many problems with water use, water withdrawal, water contamination by a huge list of substances that we don't know much about. But another result is often air pollution from trucks or compressor stations, and that may be air pollution, traditional air pollutants like ozone or hazardous air pollutants like benzene. And it may be easier for regulators to respond to the air pollution concerns because they already have a lot of data about air pollution and about clean air pollution regulations. We already have standards in place, and that may be easier for them than the unknown chemicals. Um, I would also point out that government regulators uh, versus politicians are very different audiences and they may have very different concerns. So to take, for example, contaminated water in Flint, we know an awful lot about lead toxicity um, and its effects on the brain. And we have decades of experience with getting lead out of drinking water. So this is not a scientific question. It's not a scientific problem that needs solving. The problem is that cleaning up that system is expensive and will take time. And Flint is a political issue. And so the target audience for Flint might be entirely political and not uh, scientific or not even regulators because it's an issue of coming up with the resources. I think that's really good advice. Knowing your target audience is really important. What are some of the risks and challenges of conducting a community health study? So I think that communities are likely to go into a health study looking for a smoking gun so that they can provide incontrovertible evidence that there is a specific problem and so that the appropriate people will have to address it. Um, the problem is that health studies can be very difficult to do, especially, as I said, the epidemiologic studies that connect an exposure and an outcome. And it may be very hard to prove any such association. Then it's very common for a negative result, one that's not statistically significant, to be framed as a proof of no connection. And that makes it easy for the state or the politicians to say, oh, there's no problem here. So I think the biggest risk for the community is to invest time and resources and get no results, even if the effects are occurring. Um, a second Concern, a related concern, I think, is the temptation to try to do everything in a study. So as I've said, an epidemiologic study that draws out the connection between the exposure and the outcome can take many years and a great deal of time and money, a lot of expertise. It's much more difficult than just showing that there's an exposure. And that sounds 
ideal for the community if you can show that kind of evidence. It's the most compelling evidence. But if it takes years and a lot of expertise because, for example, cancer might take decades to develop. So a, a study looking for cancer in a population could take decades. And that's just not a good way to address the community's concern. It takes up a lot of resources. It takes a lot of time. And there's a lot of time during which the exposure is continuing. So I think there's often a temptation to do more in a study than is warranted and that takes up resources and time. And again, to take the example of Flint again, we know an awful lot about the neurotoxicity of lead, the impact of lead on the brain. We don't need a study to show that the lead contamination in drinking water in Flint is having an effect on people there. We know plenty of lead. We don't need to wait for a study to show us that. What we should be doing is demonstrating that there's an exposure, and then the exposure then needs to be cleaned up. And as I said before, that's a political issue. Um, I think that looking for evidence that there were specific impacts on that specific population is tempting but will not be um, useful data because we already know plenty about lead. Given all this, what do you think communities should consider before getting involved in health research? The community needs to be strategic about what they want the study to do and what they hope to get out of it. So the Health Studies Guide, which Madeline Scammell and I developed, spends a lot of time on just establishing goals before we ever get to study design. And I think that's really important because a poorly designed study that ask the wrong questions or will take a long time will undermine the community's concerns. Um, I also think it's really important to get good advice from the right experts to make sure that you share goals with the experts who are helping you. A lot of university and academic scientists are under pressure to publish studies. Uh, we call that publish or perish pressure in academia, and they may be interested in slightly different questions than the community is. So again, you want to make sure that the community's goals are clear and that they're aligned with the goals of the experts working with them. Along these lines, I would point out the um, process of community-based participatory research, which is an approach to research that prioritizes the questions and the needs of the community and includes the community as an equal partner in study design. There's been a lot written on CBPR. It's a very unique skill set. And there are a number of environmental health organizations who can help connect communities with experts who have skills in CBPR. Um, that said, a lot of important research, as in, for example, the Woburn leukemia cases, has been done by citizen scientists. And there's a lot that citizen scientists can do to provide evidence about the types of concerns in their communities and to uh, force those problems to be cleaned up. This has been extremely valuable. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Carol. And I have to say I've relied in the past a lot on uh, TEDx's publications and work. So thank you for your good work. Well, you're welcome. And for our listeners, a link to the guidebook is a health study. The answer for your community is on our website podcast page at TEDx.org. Thank you for listening. TEDx is a nonprofit research institute funded by grants from private foundations and by donations from individuals who care about our health and the environment. Visit our website at TEDx.org for more information on what we do, to submit a question for an expert, or to make a donation.